morning, church. Good to be here at the Ridge. Always uh, enjoy uh, coming and taking part in uh, churches that are, seem to be on the cutting edge of what God's doing. Really encouraged with uh, this church and their participation in supporting pastors and doing conferences and things that will help pastors. There's such a need for that, and you're, you're such a blessing to so many, many people um, and many pastors. Our church in Branson used to do that when I pastored there, and um, that was just a great ministry, a great opportunity to do some things like that. And uh, my wife Karen's here, as Bob has said, and it's always, I'm always glad she's able to travel with me when we can. And I uh, want to make a, a correction uh, in starting, I had said in the earlier service that uh, I had a heart attack uh, five weeks ago. Actually, it was eight weeks ago, and my wife uh, reminded me of that. And so, um, doing much better and thankful uh, for God's grace and His love. Uh, I've uh, entitled this message, Drifting. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Hebrews chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to be reading a few verses in just a minute. want to uh, start that off by just talking about spiritually drifting. Sometimes uh, we're not aware that uh, there was once a time where it seemed like we were close to the Lord, and for some reason or another, we've, we've drifted away. And uh, I want to point out some things because this passage of Scripture deals with that. Uh, my wife and I served as missionaries in the country of Papua New Guinea, as Bob had mentioned, for a number of years, and we worked with a lot of different uh, missionaries while we were there. Some of them uh, were missionaries who lived out in islands and different places and uh, different areas, and so we serviced and helped and in, um, in ministry to them. Uh, but one particular group uh, was a people that worked in the Adia tribe, and um, that was a, a tribe that you'd have to drive a, a, a big truck with their supplies out so far into the jungle, and then it kind of come to the end of the road. Once you got to the end of the road, well, then they would offload all of their supplies, and usually we'd only get supplies every two months or so, so you didn't order one can of peas and two cans of carrots and this kind of stuff. You ordered cases of stuff, and so there's a lot of supplies, and then if you had two or three families that lived in that particular m m a tribe, well, then you had to make sure you had stuff for everybody that was there. And so they would, uh, they would offload uh, these kind of things into boats, and uh, then they'd have to go out into the ocean quite a ways and, uh, and then uh, kind of go around a bend and then come back through uh, to get into a, a river and go up that river about uh, uh, 20 miles or so to where their missionary area was called the Adia tribe. And uh, our friend John Jetty was part of that. John was not a what you would call, he's not a macho type guy. He was just a, your average ordinary uh, guy, but John was one of those guys that was uh, really sharp in Bible translation work, and he translated because many of us missionaries were working with unreached people groups, no exposure to Christianity or very limited, and so we were working in those kind of areas uh, and helping with translations and so forth like that, and John had translated the entire New Testament, and I believe at that time even was working on the Old Testament, and he was uh, bringing the supplies back to, uh, uh, to, the, to his fellow missionaries. And so they had taken the truck as far as it would go. They offloaded everything into a boat. They got about five or six miles out into the ocean. And when you're out there, sometimes you don't know how the weather's going to be once you're there. And, 
a big wave came through and it swamped the boat and the next thing that happened the boat was sinking and here's John out there uh, no life jackets uh, the tribal guys swam off and they left him John did see that there was a, a garbage bags that were uh, he took all of his uh, Bible translation material and he had it in these garbage bags and he had two garbage bags and three garbage bags tied around that and they were floating and so John uh, he, he swam over and grabbed a hold of these garbage bags and that was his life preserver for the next about 24 hours or so John was out in the ocean just drifting uh, he had no control over where he was going what was going to be happening and so uh, it got night and he said that he could feel um, big fish that were kind of bumping up against his feet. He was assuming that it was probably sharks or something like that. And uh, so John, uh, uh, before long, he was able to uh, uh, feel a reef. The tide had gone down enough where the water was, oh, you know, just so, so deep. And he was standing on that reef until the next morning when the water came back up high enough where he could no longer stand on it and uh, started drifting and floating again out there in the water. Uh, after a period of time, an airplane did spot him. These tribal guys that uh, were in the boat, they had swam to shore five miles away and um, had reported, they, they found a, a place where they could uh, talk to somebody that there was a, a boat, a missionary is out in the ocean somewhere, we don't know where he's at. And so an airplane flew over that area. They spotted John out there holding on to his, actually literally the word of God uh, that he had translated, floating in plastic bags. And uh, they were able to send a boat out and uh, rescue John from that time. And uh, so I, I use that as an introduction story uh, for us as we're looking at this passage of scripture here about drifting. I wonder about you today. Are you spiritually drifting in your walk with the Lord? Are you, are you really pursuing? There is a big difference between drifting. Uh, say, say if you were at the uh, um, water park, uh, Whitewater in Branson or some other water theme park, and you were on the lazy river. On the lazy river, you don't have to do anything. You just get on whatever it is, the inner tube, drop, drop your feet over one side and your arms over the other, and the current just kind of carries you on through. Some people, that's, that's a definition of their spiritual life. Is it all we have to do is just, well, I'm, I'm in the church, I, I got saved, surely everything is fine. But it's not true. And so we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture that deals with that. So if you if you got your Bibles, turned there to Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. Stand with me as I read to you from God's Word. And, um, and we look at this passage of Scripture together. And, uh, and, and it is a powerful passage of Scripture. And it's a good passage. And you'll notice as we uh, start looking at this, that it uses those very words, drifting. See if you can find them as I read this to you. Notice what it says, verse 1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, then notice this, lest we drift away from it. The author here in Hebrews is using nautical terms, talking about boats that were once anchored or tied to the dock, and the ropes have, have been loosened, and now it is drifting aimlessly wherever the current may lead it to be. And so he's saying, it's a warning that he gives to us. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, 
lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be uh, reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just uh, retribution, notice verse 3 what it says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then he explains that just a little bit. It was declared at first by the Lord. It was attested to us by those who heard it, the apostles. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So how are we going, how, how are we going to attain this if we're neglecting it, is what he's saying. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for your Holy Spirit to give to us insight to understand what your word is saying. Father, we want to be able to leave here today knowing that we've heard from you. I pray that needs are going to be met. We have no idea what those needs may be here, some for salvation. Some needs, Father, are that those that have been drifting. And that, Father, they can be anchored to a solid anchor, your word, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we pray that needs would be met today, Father, and then that we would respond in obedience to what your word has to say. And Father, we ask this for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom in Jesus' name. And the people said, amen. amen. You can be seated. Thank you very much. Great passage of scriptures, got some great insight for us, and great truths that we find. I find that there's a couple ways that people can walk away from the word of God. One of them is just that outward, kind of, just that outward rebellion. And then I have found over the years, I've been in ministry for um, over 40 years, and I found that there are those that within the church that I've seen walk away from the Lord, walk away from the church, and they did that knowing what the Word of God had to say. Matter of fact, I've even heard them say this, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not going to do it. I know what the Bible is teaching, and I know that God has spoken to my, but I'm not going to obey it. I'm walking away. Only to find that there's tragedy beyond that. And they're usually, I'm telling you, most, almost 100% of the time, I've seen nothing but a downhill, out of control life after that. When you've walked away from the Lord. And that can happen. But there's also another way. And that's a slow process, sometimes that we're not even consciously aware of. We're for one reason or another... It seems like that prior, our priorities get out of whack, and, uh, and all of a sudden we're starting to follow some things, or we're no longer committing ourselves to follow the Lord and to do what the Lord would have us to do. And as a result of that, we're slowly drifting away from the Lord, not realizing what was happening until somewhere down the road we ask this question, how in the world... Did I get here? There was a time I used to be close to the Lord. There was a time when I walked with God. And how did I get to such a place as this? Well, let me just take, a, take, take and let's, let's look at what the scripture says here. And um, I, I want you to notice, first of all, that drifting requires no effort. Notice what the scripture says here. Therefore, we must, lest we drift away from it. We must, it means that there's an action that must take part 
on your life and my life. We know that salvation is 100% the work of God. It's by grace we're saved through faith in Christ Jesus alone. Not of works lest we could boast. It's all about a gift of grace that God has given to us. But when it comes to our spiritual growth, there is a part of that where we're responsible to, be, to get in the Word. We're responsible uh, to, uh, to be with a church family. We're responsible in our spiritual growth. And so drifting requires no effort. It would be just showing up, but doing nothing. Kind of reminds me of the guy that came to our Greek class some years ago, in which Bob did not do very well in. I can just tell you that. He knows that. He'd confess that to you. <laughs> the guy shows up. He's an older guy. And uh, the professor said, now we have a guy coming to our Greek class today. And this guy is uh, auditing the class. And um, I said, well, audit auditing the class, what's that mean? He says, well, he doesn't have to hand, hand in any homework. He's going to be attending our class. And he doesn't have to hand in any homework. He doesn't have to do any test. Uh, he really does. He's just sitting there listening. Well, that's what happens when you start drifting. No action. I'm thinking, well, that'd be great. Does he get a grade? No, he didn't get a grade either. He just auditing. And some people are auditing the church. It's a, it's a tragedy when that happens. And we think that, you know, all we have to do is just kind of, uh, just, just kind of float along on the, on, on the lazy river. And we're going to grow spiritually. It doesn't happen that way. And so I just want you to know that that's, that's one of the things that you'll find. Here's a, here's a second thing that I think is, is important for you, very important. And that's that drifting always takes you downstream. When you take a passive perspective of your spiritual life, you're going to drift downstream. Every time, you'll drift downstream. No one, no one can say, hey, I, I quit reading the Bible and I'm growing spiritual. No one can say I'm closer to Jesus by, 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 not, by not going to church. That, that doesn't happen. Drifting takes you downstream. It takes you wherever the current is going to take you. And oftentimes, we can't see the current. We look at the surface of the water, and it might look fine. But underneath is this current that is moving you farther and farther downstream. You're not going to drift upstream. You're not going to drift into spiritual growth. It doesn't happen. Notice what it says here. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention. There is a part of us that we have to be engaged. We have to be thinking. I want to grow spiritually. How should I do that? How will that be possible? And you have, that's why God has given to the church pastors. And he's given to the church evangelists. And he's given to the church teachers, equippers, in order that you would grow spiritually. That's why God has done so. And so, drifting always takes you downstream. And it will always do that. I wonder where you are today. Are you, are you drifting? Are you, are, are you headed downstream? Are you farther away from the Lord than where you used to be? Can you say, you know what, I'm closer to God today than what I was last year this time? These are important questions for us. These are things we have to think about. Here's something else. Drifting can, can be an unconscious process. You, you may not be aware that you're drifting, but all of a sudden you come to the place where I am not where I once was with the Lord. 
What's going on? How come I'm not sensitive to what God is saying? How come his word isn't as relevant as it used to be? But whenever you've started drifting, little by little, you're going to get farther and farther away. Notice what it says here. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Are you listening to what God is saying week by week through the pastors? How many times have you heard the message that God is speaking to you? How many times has he convicted you over a sin or an attitude or something that should have been dealt with a long time ago and it wasn't? How often will, will, will God be saying, are you hearing during those invitation times and you're saying, not today? How, how often uh, have, have you come before the Lord and said, I'm going to place my yes, God, right here on an altar, that wherever, whenever, however, uh, whatever it is, I'm going to say yes to what you want and not what I want. You see, that's the difference. And so oftentimes it's an unconscious process of moving away from where the Lord would have you to be, and you wake up one day saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe that I got, I'm, I'm here. I'm at this place. Why is life why does my spiritual life seem to be fruitless? Why does my spiritual life seem to be pointless? Why am I not sensing the Spirit of God dealing and working in my heart? And so those are very important questions that we have to ask because drifting is extremely dangerous. Therefore, he says, pay much closer attention. And then in verse 3, he gives that question we've often used in evangelism uh, conferences or uh, in revival meetings or different things. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Do you realize the danger of drifting spiritually? You may say, but oh, I'm, I know I'm saved. Well, you may be. But what about your spouse? What about your children? What about your grandchildren? What about your family members? What about your best friend at work? Your co-workers uh, in business? What about your uh, fellow students? I'll never forget the day when Leslie, who was a, a young uh, 17, 18-year-old girl, came forward uh, in, a, in a little southern Illinois town. I was preaching. She came forward, and, and she was just weeping out of control uh, bitterly. And, uh, and, and, and so I knelt with her, talked with her, and she said, I just have to tell you, I'm, I'm so brokenhearted about some things. I said, what is it, Leslie? And she said, well, I've been raised all my life here in this church. My parents lived right across the road from us, and uh, from the church. And, uh, and she said, uh, I, I come every Wednesday night. My parents are here every Sunday morning for Sunday school. Uh, my, my, I'm, I'm part of the youth group. Uh, I'm, I'm here on Sunday morning church worship. I'm here Sunday night. I'm here every, every time the church doors are open. We're here. And I said, well, what's the problem? There was an auto accident three or four weeks ago. And two or three of my friends were in that. And some of them died. And I said, I'm so sorry to hear that, Leslie. And she said, here's what's bothering me. All of these years that I've been going to church here, and I went through all, all 12 years of, of school with these friends. 
We were, we were children growing up, in kin, starting in kindergarten. And she said, I, I remember our eighth grade graduation party. And, and I remember coming into high school and when we all got our lessons. And we were all cheerleaders. And we were all on the, on, the, on the girls' volleyball team. And we were on the girls' softball team. And we did all of these events. But never one time did I ever witness to any of those kids. And now they're gone. I can't witness to them. And this is what I'm telling you, that drifting will get you to the place where you're no longer spiritually conscious, and you're no longer aware of that. And before long, your children and your grandchildren will not be, uh, they'll not get saved, they'll not understand the message of the gospel, because you chose somewhere along the line, and you just decided to put things in neutral, and just kind of go with the flow. And it's dangerous, it's very dangerous for you to be in such a place as that. And uh, you don't want to go there. You don't want to be there. But you don't have to stay there. Let me just give to you some things that I think are very important that could help you so that you can grow and you can know that you're not drifting. First of all, I would say this. Make sure that you have the right kind of anchor and that you're, and that you're anchored to the right thing, our Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews, just a few chapters beyond this here, Again, there's some nautical terms that are used there. And in that, the author says, we uh, have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Now, my wife and I, as we were in Papua New Guinea, uh, one of the things that we were told, because the island that we lived on was an island about 300 miles long, and in some places maybe 100 miles wide, but it would narrow down in some places to 25 miles wide. Uh, but... Um, there were about 30 tribes, that were, uh, different language groups that lived on this island. And there were many islands all around this, little islands. And so a lot of our missionaries were on boats traveling out into the ocean. And it's very, it, it would become very difficult because storms can come up. You, we didn't have a weather program. We didn't have the GPSs and all of the things that we have today. And so it became very dangerous traveling like that. But here's one thing that we were often told that if you're, uh, if you're living on these islands or you're going to take supplies out to these islands, that you, that you do some things that, that will bring uh, some safety and security should your motor stall or it quit working. Drop an anchor immediately. Usually before our missionaries would leave, they would radio in saying, uh, this is uh, so-and-so, and we're going over to Soy Island, and uh, we'll be over there, and then we'll radio you when, once we arrive. That way that if you got lost and they couldn't hear from you because many of our boats were smaller boats and they had no radio contact once they left uh, one place to go to another. And as a result of that, they said, if for some reason your boat motor stalls, do not let it drift because the current will take that out. The ocean current will take that out. And the next closest island beyond this set of islands is Guam, about 3,000 miles away. We'll never find you. And so the best thing you can do, make sure that you have a good anchor that you can drop, and it will hold you right there so that we can find you. See, some of you are drifting, you have no anchor. Wherever the current is coming and, and uh, whatever's happening, you're just kind of moving along. 
Well, isn't that how we're supposed to do everything culturally and everything else? Isn't, isn't that how it's supposed to be? No. You need to drop an anchor and make sure to, to quit drifting. Now, there's a second thing that you'll find here that I think is very important for us, and, that, and that's this. If you don't want to drift, then keep rowing. Okay? Keep moving in the right direction. You may say, well, I'm not able to do what I once did. No, but you're able to do some things. You may be able to pray more. You may be able to support those who are doing that. You may be able to give more. You may be able to serve more in a limited capacity, but you're able to do that. But keep rowing. There's not a time where you and I can stop rowing, pull the oars up and say, hey, you know what, we're going to let the next generation do it. No way. I want to finish out strong. I want to do what God wants me to do, and I want him to be honored in my life, in all of my life, right up until my last breath. And so God knows all of those. And so some of you pull the oars in, you're just drifting along. I'm going to finish out life drifting. No, don't do that. Keep rowing. There's still lost people to be saved. There's still people that uh, you know, neighbors that are around you, uh, family and friends. They need to see Jesus living in you. And so you keep rowing. Keep moving forward. Let God speak to you. God, let God use you. Keep rowing and moving forward. Be steadfast. The Bible says here in 1 Corinthians that if you're steadfast and unmovable, you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. Your labor isn't in vain. Peter says that we need to grow in 2 Peter chapter 3. That we grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Jesus. That's an active part is that you need to be growing. You grow in his grace and his, his knowledge. And we're to be connected as the body of Christ. And that's what Romans said in Paul's writings in Romans chapter 12. He's talking about the body of Christ. That we're to be growing together as the body of Christ. And so those things are important. Now here's something too. Watch out for the undercurrents. The undercurrents is what you can't see that seem to be strong and swift and are moving a vessel in areas that maybe it doesn't want to go. But if you're drifting, you have no way of stopping that. And so there are things like temptations. And that's why I put it to the undercurrent, you can't see it. If we knew all the time that the temptations were coming, well then it'd be different. But when they do come, how do we handle them? Or our own fleshly nature. When we desire to do something or to do things that we know that God wouldn't be pleased with. Or just the issues of pride and, and other things that may be controlling and working in there. It, it will always cause us to start drifting in the wrong direction. And so you want to be careful. You want to make sure that you're right on target with where you need to be. Here's the fourth thing that if you want to, that, that will prevent you from drifting. Expect to go against the tide. It's a riptide. Now, the Merrimack River doesn't have a riptide, okay? And if you've ever been around the ocean, you'll know what a riptide is. The uh, first time I experienced what a riptide was, I was in Papua New Guinea. I mean, I was raised in southern Illinois. We, we didn't have riptides in the mud ponds that I swam in. Okay, And so when we get to, uh, to, to uh, the South Pacific out in uh, New Guinea, a group of us went out swimming. And when we went out swimming, I thought, wow, 
this is really neat. I could take one stroke and I just seemed to be really cruising out there. It's like, wow, this is great. Until we decided to come back. We went out to a reef, kind of snorkeled around that reef. When we got ready to come back, for each time that I took a stroke, it would push me back. For every two strokes, I would be pushed back one stroke. And so I had to work extra, extra, extra hard. We finally, all of us came in. My son was part of that group, and he was, he was probably 13, 14 years old, and, and there were other teenagers there, and I'm thinking, we're going to lose some of these guys. They're going to drown out here. How are we going to get back in? I remember when we all got back to shore, how thankful we were, and, and I learned a very valuable lesson. And some places that you'll go, you'll see a sign that will be on the beach that says, watch out for the riptides. Because what happens is the riptide, it doesn't, the water doesn't tell you, hey, riptide coming in. And so while you're out there, leisurely doing your thing, what will happen is that rip, riptide comes in, it comes around, and instead of pushing the water forward up on the beach, it actually comes around and it sucks everything out. And so when you're swimming out there, all of a sudden, it will start sucking you out, maybe into deeper water than what you thought you were in. And as a result of that, it becomes very dangerous. I'm going to tell you, the enemy is out there. And he's a, he would love to suck you out into an area where you don't want to go. And for some of you, you've been there. You know that. Drifting will always cause us to head in that direction. Expect to go against the tide. Expect that when you're there, you're going to go against culture, against popularity, against peer pressure. Many of your friends and family and other people may not uh, see your spiritual significance of why you want to live for Jesus, why you want to do the things that you're doing. I've been there. I know that. But I'm telling you, consistency, if you will stay there and you will live your life, you'll find uh, it's just been within the last few years that I've got, I have two sisters that have come come to know the Lord, and it's obvious in their life. After 40 years of being in ministry, and what they've said is that we've seen the consistency in you and your wife, in your children. It makes a difference. But if I was drifting along, and I was letting the culture uh, uh, dictate the things that I was going to do, if I just want, uh, what's the most popular thing going on out there, and just following after it, if I, was, if, if I would succumb to, uh, uh, to peer pressure, what would have they be saying today? Oh, that Christianity isn't that much. It's not that important. And so I just tell you that, it's, that, it's, that it is important. And you can prevent drifting. Now, here's the last thing that, that I would share with you about that. And that's that you have to avoid the, the whirlpools. You see, on the Niagara, uh, on Niagara Falls, when you, on the Niagara River... It comes to a point right there where the current is so strong that it doesn't make the bend in the river. And so instead it goes up and it hits the bank, solid rock on that side, and the current pushes it all the way around, and you can see where the arrows are there, how that it pushes it then back into the river. And right there where the two arrows are crossing in there is a whirlpool. Now there are signs if you're on the Niagara River, don't go past this. The reason is because you'll be sucked into the whirlpool. When you're sucked into the whirlpool, all that happens is you just continually go. It's a downdraft, and you just continually go in circles. And you're stuck there. 
Now, boats have been destroyed. Lives have been lost. Sometimes they've had to send helicopters in because the boats have gone too far and they would uh, send down a rope and a, a guy would go down there and rescue the people on the boat. The boats are gone when it gets to that point. Eventually, they will just go down into the whirlpool and be destroyed. But I'm telling you, the world, some of you are in that, uh, in that circle just continually going around, going around, going around, and you're never getting out of it. Oftentimes, when I was in the Branson area, we would have homeless people come through. They would come through and they would ask things. Uh, they would say, would you give us some food? I, we, we helped them. We tried to do ministry to, uh, to them as often as we could. I would take some of them up and give them some food, but I'd say, no, you've got to let me talk to you a little bit. Now, I didn't, I didn't push the gospel on them. I did share the gospel with them, but here's what I usually would do. I would usually say something to them like this. Are you happy where you're at in life? No. They'd always respond, no. You're homeless, aren't you? Yes. Okay. Let me ask you this. Were you raised homeless? No. And I'm going to tell you, 100% of the time, the tears would start streaming down the cheeks of those people. As I was giving them either a meal or giving them gas to put in a vehicle, as they started thinking about home, a home they no longer have. Their stories were tragic. Drugs, abuse, all kinds of issues that they thought would bring pleasure that only took them farther away. And as the tears strummed down their face, I said, you know what? It doesn't have to be this way. You're in this vicious circle, but if you stay where you are, you'll continually be right here, and you'll never be able to get out. If you want to get out, there is a way out, and that way out will only be through Jesus. There were some that did come out. John was one of those. John was a, had tried 19 times going through a rehabilitation program 19 times and failed every time. AAs, all, all of this kind of stuff. It just didn't work. He ended up at our church. Somehow I ran across him. He, he would never be driving again. He had been married five times. He had children he'd never known. He's divorced from every one of them. His life was a mess. He was a very crude and rude person. But he came in, and a group of us guys there in the church started helping John. And he said, I need help. I need somebody to hold me accountable. I said, well, I'll hold you accountable. And so on, on Fridays and Saturdays, sometimes I'd have him come to my house and work to hold him accountable. He'd cut wood, and him and I would cut wood, and it gave me an opportunity to share the gospel with John. I'll never forget, I had gone and picked John up on a Saturday morning, brought him to my house, and on that Saturday morning when he got out of the car, he said, Pastor Norm, i got to tell you something. He said, have you ever read Ephesians chapter 2? And I thought, well, maybe once or twice in 40 years I probably read it, yes. I knew exactly where he was going. He said, do you know what it says? It says there that I can be saved by grace, not by my works. And you know what? That day John got it. It moved from his head to his heart. Since that time, now he's going on 10, 12 years, about, about that time of the year, John will text me, and he'll say, been another year, Pastor Norm, no drinking. 
You see, when you're drifting, you're going to get caught in a whirlwind, and some of you will continually stay there. you just be going around and around. It never gets better, just round and around. Round and around and around. But Jesus can make the difference if you'll let him do that. And some of you need to be obedient to that today. You need to respond in saying, yes, Lord. David's going to come. We have a song of invitation. And I know you guys do different uh, invitations, maybe a little bit different than well, what, what I've done or what I'm doing. But I'm just going to ask you if you'd stand with me. Let's pray together. And if God's speaking to your heart, would you, would you respond? Just be obedient. Are, are you drifting spiritually today? Do you need, do you need today to make a decision? I mean, anchor it, just as we saw uh, this young lady that Bob baptized up here, making a decision for Jesus and following through with that. Some of you need to do the same today. Are you tired of just going in the same circle? You tired of dealing with the same kind of sins? You tired of, of just drifting through life and wondering how in the world did I get here? And I'm telling you, there's a way you can get out, and it's through Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just ask again for your grace to be evident, your power of your Holy Spirit to convict us and to draw us to yourself. And Father, this is for your glory. And Father, there's nothing that is greater than for the enemies of this world to see your grace at work in, the, in a person's life in changing us to be like you. And so we call upon you to do that at this very time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.